Don't fucking say hello to me, bitch. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's uh, Jeff, True Knowledge, co-host of the MCU's Bleeding Edge. That is my other co-host there shaking his head at me. Uh, yes, I uh, hit the button wrong there for a minute. But uh, we are, of course, the MCU's Bleeding Edge uh, live stream uh, crew here, uh, joined by some excellent guests. One of them is uh, in dark mode right now, but I'm sure he will appear again soon. Uh, we've got Kevin <laughs> from the MCU and Marvel True Believers podcast back again. What's up, Kevin? Good to be back. Appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. It is really good to be back, man. Like I said to you earlier yesterday or whatever, um, I think it's really cool that we managed to have you come back for this Iron Man 3 review since you did Iron Man 2 with us. You know? Yes. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <clears throat> Excellent. And, of course, Cyber, you are here with me once again. What a surprise. What a shock. My oh, so so shocking! The veteran YouTuber. What's up, Cyber? What's up? Not much. Wanna, what do you want to say to all your fans? Oh, what do I want to say? Let me see. Um, uh, watch my stuff, people. Watch my stuff. Not just there you know, is. watch our stuff. You know, watch our stuff. He has reemerged. Our final guest, Chris. I don't know the what happened. Of MCU Mondays on the Geek News Now Network. What is up, man? Glad to be here. Glad to join you guys tonight on the the bleeding edge. Even though we're going to be talking about Iron Man three, well, actually, I'm very excited to talk about that. Hey, and, that's great. That's good to hear. No, no, keep on going. Keep on going. You got good things to say about Iron Man three. I mean, there's some good things to say about it. It's not ah. entirely. I know a lot of people don't like it, and I'm excited to talk about the reasons not to like it and the reasons to like it. So well, just be, just be nice, because Kevin, we don't want to get Kevin upset or anything, because he, he's a really big Iron Man three fan. So those are dope. I've got no. <laughs> there there are reasons that I like Iron Man three a lot, but. I don't well, know what good. the schedule is on what, how we're going to dive into that. So I'm not well, just you know going to start. We like a neutral free market of ideas and opinions type of environment here on the bleeding edge. So if you need to savage certain aspects of Iron Man 3, then you need to just go ahead and let it loose, my friend. Oh, I probably Please. will. And probably have to do with the Mandarin and things like that. But well, Savage. Or the direction they went with the... the mm. I don't know. We'll get there, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you what. I just want to mention <clears throat> that we are, of course, now with Geek News Now Network, and we are extremely happy and pleased to be a part of such a wonderful team and group of content creators and writers and um, staff and just wonderful people that have been very um, warming and, uh, and welcoming to us. And uh, we've really enjoyed being able to have an opportunity to bring in some of the Geek News Now personalities onto the program. Chris, obviously, is the latest addition. And I want to thank Chris personally because Chris is the reason why we even got on the radar with Geek News Now to begin with, or they never even would have heard of us. So, you know... Chris is, Praise a, Chris. Yes, Praise Chris, is Chris. Chris is a benefactor for us. He is like he's the uh, he was the man 
you know, behind the scenes. They come to me. <laughs> you know, everybody else at Geek News now, and they say, hey, what do you think? No, I, I used to actually run the entire media division of Geek News now, as it were, but I had too much fun, and I had my own channel to do, and and so I said, you know what, I'm going to scale back my duties. I, I can't be responsible for everyone else as well as myself. I can... <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll let me take care of myself. But hey, we're uh, just happy that you found time to come on here and guest, man. You're hard to get. Um, I try to keep busy, but <laughs> Wednesdays aren't just that good for me. So we, you know, we can possibly work out some other times. But yeah, no, other people like to have me on shows. I've been on. I've been doing a lot of different YouTube shows. I like to be a guest on different things talking about Star Wars, talking about Marvel, talking about things that I know what I'm talking about, which is usually like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. I People ask me to talk about things that I don't know about, but I usually just sit there and listen to what they have to say and then say, I don't know, because I don't know getting, what that getting is. Chris, getting Chris to guest on your show is about as um, rare as your chances of actually talking to one of these Instagram model types on Tinder or whatever and like getting through to them or whatever, you know? Um so, Ooh. I mean, you've actually you you actually have more success with the Instagram model types than you do with Chris. <laughs> he has to really like you to like bless you with his presence. But no, um, um, that's actually true. I don't go anywhere where I don't like the people. So no, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Why would I? I that's Chris why I came Debbie, here. I know Debbie, who has been on the show now twice, have been a great guest with us. Chris and Debbie, of course, host MCU Mondays. And MCU Mondays is a very fun show on Geek News Now Network that I've enjoyed being on. Um, and I think that anybody out there who likes the bleeding edge would probably like what they do. And of course, Kevin and Kyle, Kyle's not with us, unfortunately, from their pod, um, do their thing and have their own thing going on. And are, they have a very professional show that they put together. Um, I've definitely caught quite a bit of their content myself. And there's somebody who I actually listen to on my own individually for my own enjoyment. So um, say with that, you know, you can think of that, that what you will, but uh, I don't, you know, I don't listen to too many podcasts um, in this niche. So if I'm checking out your stuff, then that means it's gotta be pretty solid. Um, and of course, last thing I'll just mention plug wise is that cybernetic shark is on all kinds of platforms. So just look for cybernetic shark and you will find some good ass content. Okay. Simple as that. Some so, good ass content or some good some ass good, good. content some where's good, that good. hyphen where's that hyphen coming in <laughs> all of it yeah. good ass content that's what we, it is not some are, good ass content we yeah. are shamelessly pleased Whatever you to, want to to be repping geek news now network this evening and as we go ahead and segue into this iron man 3 review i'm going to go ahead and lay down some iron man 3 trailers that i hope that you guys will enjoy i know i will enjoy because I love trailers in general. So let's trailers, get after it. Trailers, trailers. And Robert. I'm Tony Stark. I build neat stuff. I got a great girl. And occasionally save the world. So why can't I sleep? 
You elected me on a single platform. I will defend this country at all costs. The Mandarin must be stopped. You don't know who I am. Tony Stark. Things are different now. I have to protect the one thing that I can't live without. That's you. Mr. Stark. Today is the first day of what's left of your life. I'm gonna offer the choice. Do you want an empty life or a meaningful death? You're not a man. You're nothing more than a maniac. I'm not afraid of you. No politics here. Just good old-fashioned revenge. Backup. That's your I'm Tony Stark. I build neat stuff. I got a great girl. And we can't. Got a lot of apologies to make. Nothing's been the same since New York. They experience things, and then they're over. I can't sleep. And when I do, I have nightmares. Honestly, there's a hundred people who want to kill me. I hope I can protect the one thing I can't live without. the teacher. Lesson number one. Heroes. There is no such thing.
Hello everyone, you just finished watching the new Iron Man 3 trailer. Uh, the movie is set to come out in April of 2013, that's assuming we make it to that year. Let me know if you guys are excited in the comment section below. If you guys are excited, please remember to leave a like and favorite if you guys really enjoyed the trailer, and we hope to see more. Oh yeah, we loved it. It was great. It was outstanding. We made it to 2013. Yes, we did. Oh my god! I mean, we we surpassed it by like a, a minute. Like we're way out there past that. Those minds uh, didn't know what the hell they almost were a decade. About. It's you know what? I, I always said. Go ahead. Well, if those everyone that was worried about the Mayan calendar and when that was going to run out and like that was the end of the world but like the Mayans didn't even live that long so why are you worried about their calendar sure should have ended a lot sooner but uh yeah well that, anyways so I hope that it. we can put out here right from jump that I think it is interesting to kind of interlace the fact that this movie did come out in 2014 so from a standpoint of where Marvel Studios was at as a studio, as you know, as a as a you know in the film industry, they were definitely coming off the Avengers and in a pretty good place where they were actually making money and profitable, um, and had not been bought out by Disney yet at that point. Um, and essentially, this was a very kind of tricky spot, I think, in the MCU. Um, this is the First film of Phase 2, right, Cyber? Yep. Uh, and also, just to let you know, Disney Avengers was the first film that Disney produced for Marvel Studios. I was going to say, this so is they, Paramount. Distributed. Distributed, are you sure? Yeah. Because I, I know after the Avengers, Disney had sole rights. That's what I remember seeing during Chris, that time frame. Chris, what were you saying about Paramount? I just remember watching the opening of this when I was getting ready for the show. Is it Paramount stars. All still the, Paramount. Yeah. Um, so they had, they still had. Produced by Marvel Studios, part. distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. No, see? So, Paramount had something. Yes. So I think they still had some rights. They still had some, uh, their, their current deal, the yeah. deal they had previously, that was still a part of it. And so they were still credited as a producer. But Avengers was the first film that Disney solely put out as a Marvel Studios film. Also, yeah. too, Aven Avengers eclipsed $1 billion. This was the next film. It also eclipsed $1 billion. That, and that's a very important point to make, I think. And again, it's nice to just, I think it's interesting to preface this before we really start to roll into the review. Some of these, you know, these, these timeline facts as far as what was going on with the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe with Marvel Studios, the direction of things. And this was essentially the first third film we got out of a series from Marvel. This was the first third film that we got with one of our main characters. And it's interesting to think about the fact that Iron Man 3 came out in 2014. I'm um, saying 2013. 2013. 2013. Okay, yeah, it came out. It probably came out cinematically in 2013. So, 2013, uh, Endgame came out in what? 2020? 2019. 2019. 2019. So, at that point, it was a full six years plus that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was still playing Tony Stark and, you know, and kicking ass with that role. 
And uh, it just shows you how long the whole timeline of the MCU is that Iron Man 3 came out in 2013. But also Um, Iron Man was the one that started it. Iron Man 2 was the first, the only one that happened before the Avengers mm -hmm. movie. So he already had his second film before anyone else. You know, he had his second film before the Avengers. And then this is the first one afterwards. And that's because they wanted to also put him into all these other things. And if you're going to be at like, you know how much money that costs. And that's why they're revising their entire strategy of how they're paying people (laughs) because they're like, we can't handle someone else being as popular or as critical to the story as Robert Downey Jr. was to this role. And who knows what would happen in any way, shape or form, but it was almost kind of magical the way that it happened with him. He was really perfect for that role. Oh, yeah, without question. I mean, I think that um, that's always an interesting dynamic when it comes to, to you know, bringing something to the table from this uh, from a conversational standpoint of the Marvel Cinematic Universe entirely overall. And then in terms of the Iron Man character itself and Robert Downey Jr. as an actor, I think that um, he really again, Chris, you're right. It really shows the impact that Robert Downey Jr. had as Iron Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that at the point that we were at in 2013, this was, again, as Chris pointed out, the second MCU film that eclipsed a billion dollars in the box office. You know, um, a, a, uh, a measure that uh, a number that we may not see another Marvel movie reach in who knows how many years. I mean, we'll see what happens with Spider-Man 3, of course. Um, but, I mean, as far as where things are at right now with the current cinema environment... Um, it doesn't look like the fandom is is overall enthused to run out and see these films. Um, we'll see what the Eternals does, of course. Uh, and I mean, I'm very optimistic about it myself, but I'm a little bit pessimistic too. But just to roll into the review and start off with basically how I want to break down the film, I see it as three parts. So we'll start off with the beginning, which is the first third of the film. And that starts off with the flash bla- the flashback to Switzerland an initial meeting with Aldrich Killian and the botanist who I forget her name from the film right now at the top of my head. Um, but I know what the name of the actress is, is right in front of me, Stephanie Sostak. Um, so, or wait, no, maybe, maybe it's Rebecca Hall. I Rebecca Hall, but yeah, Rebecca as, Hall. Yeah. it's Maya Hansen. Yes. Rebecca Hall. So, uh, we, and when she's introduced, um, and happy's in that scene, I think it's 1999 and, you know, uh, and I'll obviously uh, detail the rest of what I believe to be the first part of the film and we'll roll into it. But I want to get your initial opinions, Kevin, uh, then Cyber and then Chris, if you can bring in on the end. um, What are your thoughts on that initial flashback scene? Well, it was nice that we uh, we get the uh, throwback to the, the scientists that he meets in the caves um, in the yes, Middle East, yeah. in the fir- first film, um, and you know, because that was kind of a throwback line in the first film, so it was nice to see that. Um, but uh, I, I like how it starts out because he's basically admitting that he created some demons during that weekend, and uh, we're obviously seeing what's happening to Tony after the events of New York uh, and. Uh, his near death experience uh, or out of body experience, you could say as well. And uh, I, I like uh, that we're getting a, you know, 
Happy Hogan back with a little bit of a mullet there in in nineteen ninety nine. Funny scene too, and it sets up the whole Aldrin's Aldrin Killich thing in AIM, and uh, it's it's a good start. But uh, you're you're getting a sense that uh, Tony's a little tortured, and that's one of the aspects of this film that I like about it. Well, definitely cyber. Uh, I I really enjoyed it too because I thought it was a nice way to introduce the film to kind of give you that flashback, kind of that little bit more of that back history of the character, and kind of give you a you know why does Aldrin Killage have this you know hatred for Tony Stark? Why is there this animosity and all this kind of stuff and kind of uh, those types of things going on? So you get a lot of you get a lot of great information to kind of bring you up to the current process of where they are, you know, in the timeline so that you have that information to get you there. And I like that whole aspect. And I mean, that scene hands down is so super hilarious, especially when happy thinks that Tony is going to be attacking. He tackles them onto the bed with that horrible mullet of a hairdo. <laughs> and, and Tony's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, happy, you know? And, and he was like, it's super hilarious, and uh, that whole scene was just fun because all the music, too, was really fun to hear again because I, I don't think a lot of people probably have heard Eiffel 65 since 1999 or 2000 probably. either. You know, um, Blue Dabadita. Yeah, I mean, I loved that song. I loved that album. I bought that album in 2000 when it came out over here. And uh, so that was a big treat. I love that part that they played that song at the beginning of the the film too but all in all i think it's a really good introduction into this film and i like the direction shane black took it in and gave us this different approach than what john Furrow gave us excellent chris uh i definitely like what both of they both of what you guys just pointed out and i agree with you and i'm going to take it back even just a step further before the actual flashback when he's just describing himself because it really just starts with him talking about himself talking about his condition and he quotes someone but he doesn't tell you who he quotes he says some famous guy said it now i'm saying it all right and that kind of gives you another insight into tony stark like my god ego he didn't bother telling you who he's quoting he's just saying well i'm saying it now so it's worth listening to. And he brings that into, again, this character because he is massively e egotistical. And throughout this movie, we see that. But also now we see a lot of people complain about this film is that we don't get to see Iron Man. We're going to, we'll, I guess we'll get to that. But as far as the flashback scene goes, yeah, I liked seeing how they set up like his demons. He's talking about setting up his own demons. I really didn't like where some of the things went with that in this movie but i did like uh that part of the story overall and as far as the, his characterization as far as like the mcu goes i i very much like where it's going and again i like seeing john favreau's happy of course i love seeing him he's amazing i love seeing him later in the film and even if he's not directing he's great as an actor and the fact that he can let another director take over and do stuff like that. So I, also, I think pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I really want to 
compare it on cyber with the fact that I think it was real. I thought it was really cool and really funny and kind of cute that they did have that blue song to start the film. I forgot about that aspect. And I love what Chris mentions that I love how it does start off with Tony. I felt like that was really a totally different type of scene than you would expect to see in an Iron Man film normally. What also ties, it ties together completely with the very, very end, like literally after the credit scene. So like the, the, the voiceover of him doing it, but that also is different than the other Iron Man. He doesn't do that in the other Iron Man movies. This is definitely a step from, from the very beginning. Like it's, it's different than the other two Iron Man movies we've seen. It's not your typical, it's not what you would expect of like the third movie of like a trilogy. If you were thinking of like, oh, this is just the, but the thing is, Iron Man isn't just the Iron Man trilogy. He's like the Infinity Saga. Like that's kind of his extended deal. Uh, it's taking a step beyond the standard trilogy format and saying like, this is like, this is, he's, I don't know. This is not, I would say, and you could disagree with me, but this is not the third film you would expect. You would expect like the biggest, craziest, like absolute thunder. This is him like recovering from PTSD, which is awesome, but it's not because it's not the closer film of the it's not the closer the end game is the closer film of the, the whole thing you know what i mean but i'm gonna stop talking and no i i, I totally get exactly <laughs> what, you what you're talking about, about. no i get it chris i get what you're saying you're saying that um we 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 got to see uh almost like loki type tom hiddleston type character um reinventions and like swings and you know like um you know, and, and arcs with Tony in the MCU where he had like, you know, multiple arcs that during different stages of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, um, you know, we, we had Thor and Endgame dealing with PTSD and they made kind of a bigger deal out of it than they did in Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. I think you only actually hear PTSD come out one time and that's from Harley at one point in Iron Man 3. He mentions it. Other than that, there isn't really a big uh, tie-in with PTSD, but they did talk a lot about that around the film, that that was a big element in the movie, that he had that going on. Um, I felt like maybe they could have over, maybe they could have done more of that, but maybe it would have been too depressing or it would have taken, it would have dragged the film down. Go ahead, Kevin. I think they touched on that just enough. The, the important mm. thing about this film that gets overlooked is the fact that this takes place after we have an alien arrive on earth for the first time with a hammer and an alien invasion that threatens, you know, we have, uh, extraterrestrial, uh, threats for the first time, uh, in this world and that we get to see somewhat of how it's, it's affected life day to day. And, but the cool thing about it is that Iron Man one started everything off. And it was so successful and um, Robert Downey Jr. was great. And the success of him as Iron Man and Iron Man in general was able to really launch this extended world that we were all kind of getting teased about and excited about. So it was nice to kind of come back down to earth, so to speak, with the character that started it all 
going through his own issues. And another thing that gets overlooked in this film a lot um, is the relationship between him and Pepper Potts. These are some of my favorite scenes and having her have a little bit more action in this as well. And her taking, you know, her showing her control over uh, Stark Industries and uh, having to deal with her past as well. And uh, this also is starting, you know, nurturing that relationship as well, which is one of my favorite parts about the MCU regarding uh, Tony Stark's character. Well, definitely. Does anybody else have anything to add to that? I, I would just like to say I agree there with Nick about, or Kevin, sorry. I don't know why I said Nick. Uh, Kevin, about the whole aspect of this film having that centralized kind of underlining meaning. And I totally get where he's coming from in that because that's how I felt when I saw it. Because I realized that this was coming out right after Avengers came out. And it was showing you the, you know, basically the outcome of Tony's life from what happened and inspired or, you know, happened in Avengers 1. And so I thought that was a clever way of doing it, too, given like this loose kind of PTSD type of thing going on in the film. <clears throat> and I agree, too. I think that it throughout the whole film, you kind of see them kind of mention it, but not fully state you know that it's ptsd it's just more of like a it's a knowledge or a knowing of it and i i completely agree with that and i think that was a w great way of giving us a well-grounded film to kind of bring you back more to reality if this was actually really happening in real life sure most definitely and i think that um it's it's really kind of uh funny or cool kind of to me it just kind of it's so typical Tony for him to be shacking up with that botanist and everything um, right off the bat to start the film, you know, like him, like one night standing yet another, like, you know, not just woman, but like some professional scientist, you know what I mean? With a, like a master's degree and everything and whatnot. Like Tony gets the, the pick of the litter, man. Like, and he, he solves her, her equation for her. <laughs> And then she totally comes back later in the film and has to interact with Pepper. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. You can see Sorry, how smitten Kevin. he is with her. The fact that she's got a scientific mind. She's just not as hap what Happy would say, a, a blonde with a big rack. It's part of the attraction. Yeah, and that, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, and he even Which remembers is, her name. He's, he's he gets she excited about scene. the problem. He gets excited about the problem. He has to solve the problem because that's him. He has to solve the problem. I fix things. <laughs> well, yeah. And then when, um, when she does bump into pepper, she remembers her, he remembers her name, which I mean, don't get me wrong. I typically remember chicks names too, after one night stands, but, um, you know, uh, not that I have any of those ever mom and dad. Um, but you know, uh, anyways, um, you know, he remembered her name, which, you know, knowing Tony's like body count, <laughs> Uh, that's, pretty, you know, that's pretty surprising. You know what I mean? Body count. Uh, you know, Tony's been racking them up, man. Since back in the day, he's been getting after it. You know. So, uh, but anyways, so of course, her extremist plant explodes, which Cyber already mentioned. Happy ran in and tried to save Tony because he thought it was Y two K or whatever. <laughs> yep. Whole Y two K there. Y two K baby. <laughs> no, the computers have to go back to zero. Back. No! We're bringing it back. But uh, Y2K. Yeah. 
it's cool that like the uh, the plant blows up. It does. Like uh, it kind of uh, you know gives you an impression of kind of what's going on with extremists right off the bat. But so we go into Tony not sleeping, having the panic attacks. Um, you know the introduction of the Mandarin on like these TV spots that Tony starts to see on the news. We see some of Pepper and Tony's relationship as. Uh, Kevin already mentioned, which was, I thought, really interesting, seeing the evolution of their relationship once again, like we talked about in Iron Man 2, and now we're talking about again here in Iron Man 3, and I think we're, I'm sure we're going to get into and unravel even more uh, throughout the show. Um, you know, we, of course, uh, you know, are introduced with Aldrich Killian in the flashback scene, and then we see him again coming in to try to get funding for Extremis from Pepper with Pepper as the head of Stark Industries and basically turning him down because she sees the potential with extremists to become like a weapon. You know what I mean? Like uh, some type of, you know, um, of weapon or, uh, you know, um, you know, bomb or whatever. So um, she feels like it's dangerous, but um, Killian comes back. Aldrich Killian comes back and he's like a new guy. Like, he looks good. He's, like, suave. He's, like, attractive. He's tanned. Like, he, he got rid of – he lost, the like, the stutter. You know? Like, he looks all, you know, like – He uh, lost a lot. He had, like, a hunchback. He had – he was looking almost like Igor in that first scene. He had a limp. He was all over the place. He was on extremistoids. <laughs> but Chris, then – that's Chris, why the, when they come back, she first is like, what have you been doing? And he's like, oh, you know – Working out with my physical therapist. <laughs> Chris, you've been, like, you've been frozen for so long on my screen, man, that I think you were on. I thought you were on extremist there for a minute, bro. <laughs> it was a meditation. No, I got a <laughs> not great connection. So Is that sometimes... how you explain it? I love it. Med <laughs> meditation. <laughs> I was concentrating. No, I might blink out every now and again but no man we love it it's good we love frozen <laughs> pictures during the show people have made some of their best memes from me yes. being frozen in a position so yes but you don't even want to see the kind of memes i would make with like stuff like that because it would be i'd you know, personally be interested well yes but i mean uh kevin feige would not approve of it let's probably just say. not it would not be it would not be disney plus rated or approved. not everything is <laughs> Welcome and, to the world. Thank and goodness. And we're trying to. I'm terrified about what's going to happen to Deadpool now that we're trying to get him Disney Plus rated. So, well, look, I'm trying to toe the line here with Geek News Now Network. So I'm um I'm trying to save my X-rated moments for like uh, later down the road. You know what I mean? After well, I yes. after, after we get comfortable with GNN. That sounds fair. You know. Once they need us, then we'll start throwing down the real hardcore shit. But um, no, I'm just playing. But uh, so, anyways, so your guys' thoughts. Um, starting off with you, Cyber. Um, that aspect, that part of the first part of the film where we, um, we have the meeting between Killian and Pepper. We have Tony with the anxiety attacks, can't sleep. Uh, you know, tinkering around and everything. We're starting to get the hint that extremist is dangerous. What are your thoughts on that part of the, the film and those scenes? I, I think it's, it, once again, I think it flows very nicely. Uh, I think each of those scenes have a really fantastic, uh, you know, point of view to bring to the story. 
And I mean, I, I think that whole part when Killian comes in and shows Pepper Extremis and like it shows you the whole brain thing and stuff like that, I thought it was very fantastic for 2013. Uh, I thought that was really cool looking. I thought it looked very bright and vibrant and fun. And uh, I thought that whole interaction was really interesting that, you know, he was trying to manipulate Pepper right at the, you know, at the get go before him, you know, doing his full plan, which I thought was kind of interesting in how they kind of approach that to kind of give you an idea of what kind of person Killian is, you know, from being, you know, jaded by Tony Stark, uh, you know, to- you know, Tony dealing with his anxiety attacks was really interesting. I love that whole beginning scene where he's. He's basically puncturing himself with those sensor things so that he can make the suit come to him without having to actually be near it. Uh, that was pretty interesting. I thought that was a cool new concept to bring into the franchise and to, you know, show him elevating his Iron Man tech. And uh, kind of funny, like when he stabs himself with the thing, like he's and he's like, ow, it's like, and he's like starts rubbing himself. And I thought it was pretty funny because I think that was very genuine sounding. And I thought it was just really fun. And, uh, but then, of course, you know, you got the scene where he's sleeping. You can see he's having night terrors, and Pepper wakes up, and he's like, you know, Tony, are you okay? And then the suit pops up because it's got those, you know, it's able to come and sense things now from Tony because he has those electro things in him. And that scene was, like, intense, and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? And uh, I thought that was just really an interesting scene as well because him, you know, it's showing him having these night terrors, showing him dealing with the PTSD and that, you know, that was a very traumatic event that happened to him when he, you know, in Avengers. And just kind of escalating, give you more of that kind of that background of what Tony has been through. And, you know, going from this playboy philanthropist, you know, type of dude that, you know, has this huge chip on his shoulder and then having this PTSD to happen to him. He's kind of like, you know, he doesn't know what to do with himself because he's like, he's never had to deal with this before because he's always, you know, in always the right. So I thought all those scenes worked really well together, and they were really fun, and I thought that they made the movie uh, very smooth and enjoyable to watch. Chris? You there, Chris? Okay, sorry about that. I was muted for a second. Oh, okay, brother. Hey, what are your thoughts on that that, uh, portion of the film that I was talking about? Yeah, so that next part... I gotta, you know, <laughs> Cybershark there pretty much laid it out. Uh, I very much agree with a lot of what he said. If there was anything I was to add to it, I, uh, I don't know. I liked, I like to see as with the the rest of the movie, like him and Rhodey, their interaction. Uh, so. I like them in the restaurant where like the roadies kind of like try, they're trying to be normal as it were. But again, Iron Man or Tony has kind of now got this PTSD from the thing weighing down on him, really freaking him out. And so the kid comes up and whispers at him and I'm like, what is this kid auditioning for some sort of horror movie? Cause <laughs> suddenly the whisper is just like, how did you get out of the wormhole? It's like, what is, how did you do that? You demon child, get away from him. He's <laughs> suffering from PTSD. Uh, but maybe that was just an effect of his PTSD. But he, and then he freaks out because he broke the crayon. He even says it. He's like, you know, and that, and that freaks him out. And so really they get a lot of, 
as someone who's had anxiety attacks before and seeing him go through it and just what he immediately goes about and goes to his safe place inside his Iron Man suit. Uh, he sprints out to it and he's like, check, check the heart, check the brain, check, check, check. And, and Jarvis is like, everything's normal. I think you had an anxiety attack. And Tony goes, me? (laughs) Even he doesn't believe it, but yeah, you're suffering from post-traumatic stress from all of those things that you're now a party to. And I think part of what it comes to, and I think this movie helps in a way to show it is that when people think of like the superhero teams and you think of like who's going to take on the biggest baddest guy you think of like the superman and you think of the other for the mcu iron man kind of was their best strongest guy now they had thor but as far as like the earth coming from earth you had steve rogers and captain america and that's awesome but he's kind of like an experiment like tony stark is like a self-made if you (laughs) traded in on weapons to do it but you know he's it's his intelligence and it's his metal against literally his metal against So in that respect, you got to think of Tony Stark as that character. And now that responsibility is kind of weighing on him because he almost made the ultimate sacrifice. And now it's all coming in to hit him. It could just be you at the same time when soon after the terrorist attacks start really impacting him personally. And so it's all coming down. Am I supposed to be humanity's savior? Then what am I not? Why am I not attacking these people that are hurting America? Like, why am I? Am I America's savior? Then let me be. Whose savior am I? And let me go be it. He's very. And then he's also just also terrified of different things. It's there's a lot happening to him in this. I don't think people, a lot of people that don't like this movie, I don't think understand exactly what he's going through and how important it is. for his character overall but yeah that weighs into it a lot i would say most definitely kevin yeah um and i know cyber uh touched on this but i want to elaborate a little bit more one of the things that's really important about this is not only are you seeing the the uh development of tony stark's character and his relationship with uh, his friends and uh, and such like that, but and his own personal demons he's dealing with, but his advancement in his own tech. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit more because in the previous film in Avengers, you see him put on those little wrist things. And as he's thrown out the window of Stark Tower by Loki, he calls his suit to him before he uh, you know drops to his death. And you see him uh, injecting himself uh, in his arms to do this smart tech to call his armor to him in a very humorous scene where he's testing it out. And, you know, and he sees the mask covering, says, I'm not afraid of you. And, you know, and he does this kind of cool stuff. And then when the crotch piece hits him, it's funny as well. And we see that play out later on. But then, you know, he's always upgrading. He's always upgrading. And then you see that advancement happen uh, through the films, the next uh, Avengers film, and then all the way up into Avengers Infinity War, where he's working with that nanotech stuff. And, and also he's got that special suit that shoots up to Spider-Man and helps him and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's really important character development, not only in him and his personal life, but also his hobby life 
uh, as he feels like he needs to now help protect the Earth from um, outside threats. If I can add on to that, if you look at the pod that shoots out to go with the Spider-Man uniform in it, it looks a whole lot like the pod that shoots out in the Iron Man movie to go give him his first suit. So it's kind of like, yeah, that because, yeah, he obviously upgraded his own personal armor, but he also said, what was it like when he coded in the Spider-Man armor to release? It was like, yeah, number whatever, however many. He's like, he's got however many other contingency devices, which also then you could question why didn't you put those into play at other times, but I don't know. Well, it also, I think, Kevin, it's it's interesting to, again, look at and reflect on where things were at with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole in terms of the fact that this evolution of Tony's tech uh, then ties directly into Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. And then creates vision. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> helps. I mean, the Mind Stone plays a... No, but he's already he's already talking about and vocalizing even in Iron Man three the premise of him needing to be able to protect the world. Yeah. You know oh I yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Absolutely. No. So, and that's no question about that. I was just talking yeah. about artificial intelligence. No, no, but that becomes a key premise at the end, the sure. beginning of Age of Ultron too. Like yep. that, you know. So, uh, there is he there wants is to that- protect. How are we going to save the world? Yeah, that's and that be, that's part of the contention that then rises between him and Captain America. And exact that's exactly the point that I was making earlier is that Iron Man 3 is not the end all. This is not the trilogy, the climactic end of Iron Man. This is just another step in the progression of there's going to be Age of Ultron, there's going to be Civil War, there's going to be Endgame, there's going to be Infinity War. There's gonna, Iron Man is not done by any means with Iron Man 3. This is not this is a different trilogy than no no and that's why to. chris that's why i emphasized earlier about the actual presence and the difference in the uniqueness of iron man 3 as a a marvel cinematic universe film because of the fact that i mean without the accolades without the the box office numbers um it, it was a very important film and i don't want to say that it was as important as the avengers because I think that would be unfair. I mean, we all know what the Avengers meant to the fandom and and to the to the film industry and uh, what it did uh, for fans. I mean, it was you know a massive. Um, but I feel like there definitely must have been pressure. I mean, look, there's probably pressure with all these productions, but there must have been pressure with Iron Man three to really deliver. You know, um, I, go ahead, I, f- I found an interesting trivia about that. Actually, was that the uh, the success okay so this movie originally had a 140 million dollar budget but with the success of uh, avengers they decided to give it a 200 million dollar budget so shane black can make the film as as good as he could and uh obviously with the help of uh, having john favreau uh not being the director but being there to help give him tips and stuff which he did and give him a little insight on the universe also helped as well yeah. Can I ask this question? Because yeah. I don't know if there's ever going to be an appropriate time to ask it. It's a Christmas movie. Came out in May. What do we think about that? 
Well, you have to go to the director, and I'll explain this. Shane Black is uh, one of my favorite people when it comes to uh, writing and directing. Uh, he has a history of writing really good films, specifically two types of films, buddy cop films. He wrote uh, Lethal Weapon and co-wrote the other Lethal Weapon films. He wrote The Last Boy Scout. He wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, he also directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He also directed The Nice Guys. He wrote The Nice Guys. <laughs> These are all buddy cop films. Also, they all take place during Christmas. Mm -hmm. The original Lethal Weapon film did. So he's got kind of a little thing that he likes to do. But the one thing that he's really good at, don't mind that it takes place during Christmas, even though it came out uh, in May or whatever, because whenever you rewatch this film, it kind of takes you to Christmas time. When it that's does. That's why done. when I was watching the trailer, I was like, oh, yeah. right. May it came out, and, and that and that's fine. But the thing that I like about this film is he's really good at doing a buddy buddy type cop picture or a buddy buddy type picture, uh, no matter what the characters are. And that's what I like about his direction is he gets that down. And if you think about it, this film is three buddy buddy films in one because you get him in Pepper Potts, you get him in Harley, and at the end you get him in Rhodes uh, taking on uh, the extremist. And I, I, that's one of the things that I like about this film is that there's three different parts of this film of the relationships of Tony and his friends or, you know, close ones, and they all get to shine together. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I think that um, there's definitely... Uh, I mean, that, that that's really valuable information that they that they increased the budget based off the Avengers. And I feel like um, it really, you know, the Iron Man 2, the fact that it managed to carry over after the Avengers and crack that billion dollar box office mark, that was that's crucial. I mean, say what you want about I mean, I mean, th think about that from the from a grand scale, you know, look. You've got Infinity War, you've got Endgame that are in the top three all-time, you know, highest-grossing films of all time. Iron Man 2 was the sixth highest-grossing film of all time at the time that it came out in worldwide box office. So just look at just look at it from that perspective. Not only is it just a, an outstanding film in general to watch that I enjoy and a good movie, a good, a good MCU film, but at the same time, um, it was extremely successful. You know, I mean, um, and if anything, it clearly probably indicated Robert Downey Jr.'s popularity with the character to where you ended up with Civil War becoming what it became, you know. Um, but to move on, I just want to kind of segue and kind of just break up the review a little bit with a quick uh, watch and react of something really interesting that I think you guys are going to enjoy. A little surprise type shit here.
Yo, that was fucking awesome, dude. That guy's my hero. I'm not sure what I saw there. What was he <laughs> sprinting to with him? What are your thoughts, guys? Chris, starting with you, what are your thoughts on the uh, the fish video? What? Why would? Was it just for the video that you were getting that fish? Like where <laughs> where were you sprinting to with it? I didn't see any like thing in the distance, and you used what a chicken to get it, so you already have food. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I don't know. I what's my reaction to that? Why what? Why isn't there any narration? Why isn't there some British guy going? And here we see the native struggling yanking on the chain well he makes it clear what's going on he's like oh my god fish fish right kevin i think i would have enjoyed that more if i didn't hear the audio version of it yeah (laughs) also well someone put in background music so you can't tell me that was all just like natural oh that's exactly what happened because clearly there was some (laughs) messing with the audio and the visuals (laughs) By could the way, imagine, we're like, could you imagine like like having a hole like that or whatever and pulling that out of that damn hole? Well, yeah, if you dug that hole, put it in it, and then stuck a chicken in so you can make a video, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that entirely. That's true. That's I wonder true. if we'll get a bite. Yeah, we just Cyber, stuck a giant fish in there. Where was he running Cyber, with it? Cyber, is it fake or is it authentic? Uh, I mean, I think it's they, you know, they definitely filmed it for a purpose. Uh, they filmed it to catch a fish because they know fish live inside underneath the ground there. Um, other than it just them being catching a fish and using a really good chicken, I think it's stupid. Well, I would have liked to eat the chicken. Where do you think he was going with the fish exactly? Like, That's I mean, hopefully they cook it and eat it because you know, sprint, you know he starts he, sprinting away with it. I'm like, what? Are you afraid it's gonna flop back into the hole? Are that how many holes are around this region? I'm now getting way too interested in this. You need to guide me away from this subject and back to well, 
something I'm, relevant. <laughs> just to be clear here, I'm bringing that guy in as a guest on the Bleeding Edge next week. So he's going to be on the panel reviewing the, the the voice research. <laughs> where was that? Where did that happen? Oh, I have no idea, man. TikTok. Okay, then. The breeding ground of uh, of interesting video fare. But, uh, yes, so anyways, that was a nice little segue from Iron Man 3 review. I mean, uh, clearly does not connect at all to uh, Iron Man 3, uh, but... A segue or more of like an interruption? Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, look, the way I see it... That's what I call it. Not and that was something that was, completely different. That was more of a I mean, TikTok if you want to call it ad. <laughs> Welcome to our Iron Man 3 Hold conversation. On. Let's Chris, show you a fish being caught. Kevin, I, I just want to be clear here. This is where Chris Chris understands me. He does. He knows why I put that out there and why I do shit like that. Just because I think it's interesting. You know what I mean? Like him and I are both kind of crazy at the end of the day. So I think he gets my mind more than most. But I am not. <laughs> I don't know why you just did I don't know why you played that video I thought it would be interesting just because I mean now that we're with Geek News Now Network I want to do crazy weird shit just so I can be like look at this you I'm know, not sure I... that you're getting the right <laughs> yeah you. it has to be related to the subject you're talking about well, throwing a fish in there you're not it's not giving you anything that's appropriate to what you're talking about so if that was iron man tiktok iron man or something you know yeah if it was iron man trying to catch a fish then we would get it but it's just a dude catching a fish it just seems so (laughs) illogical well hey cyber as long as i made you laugh my friend then i'm happy with it (laughs) oh you made me laugh all right i'm all good with it all right so back go back to the iron man 3 review Moving on to what I I feel is basically like the second uh, part or like the second third of the film, um, we get Killian's people blowing up Tony's house um, with a couple helicopters, uh, and after Tony puts his address out like on the news, like out to the media, and says that he's going to go after the Mandarin, um, you know, at this point in the movie, we need to believe that there is a real Mandarin. And he is a badass Mandarin and everything and whatnot, because we're not at the reveal point yet. So um, the Mandarin TV spots continue, and they're pretty damn good, as far as I'm concerned. Very effective. Ben Kingsley's great. Um, Tony decides to take out the Mandarin. Like, he becomes focused on that. We start to get more info about Extremis and, you know, Killian's thugs. Um, You know, Tony meets Harley. In Tennessee, uh, the botanist pops up and meets, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, Pepper, before the Tony's house gets blown up and everything. It kind of comes off like she's trying to help, um, you know, at least at that juncture in the film. We think that maybe she's trying to be a good guy. Um, and essentially, it is a really cool scene that she literally says to Pepper, like, oh, yeah, me and Tony just hung out one time or whatever. And Pepper's reaction was like, yeah, that sounds like Tony or whatever, you know, (laughs) just to kind of like connect back to like what was Kevin was talking about in the beginning of the show and how much he really enjoys that relationship and that dynamic with Tony and Pepper and with Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey Jr. I feel like that scene is a really good 
um, you know, chapter or whatever, or at least a good moment for them that kind of really kind of shines and, and displays kind of the dysfunction of the relationship and whatnot of what it's like being with Tony. Um, you know, but so go ahead. Hmm? Oh, sorry. I thought I heard somebody. My bad. So anyways, nope. so essentially, um, you know, we, we get Tony going to Tennessee, the armor, his armor dies. It powers down. It's like dead. Um, he meets Harley and that whole encounter is very interesting. Obviously we'll get into that, that whole dynamic. Um, and you know, we figure out essentially we see the Mandarin with Killian and we realize at that point that they're connected. Um, you know, but we don't really know for sure that Killian is the main villain. So, you know, from that, with, with that part of the film, um, what were you guys' takes? Chris, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on um, the whole scene of Tony's house getting blown up and everything and whatnot? That action scene? Did you enjoy it? Did you like it? Was it good? Um, it was obviously one of the pivotal action scenes of the film. Um, you know, did it do anything for you visually? And what did you think of the way that Pepper was saved by like having the Iron Man armor actually like go on her, you know, and all that. That was the first time that we saw that. Um, what did you think of that? I liked that it showed his priorities and that he sent it for her first to save her before helping himself. Uh, it also the whole scene lent itself to showing just how bad his whole situation has become. Cause it's not just PTSD. That's also lending itself to insomnia and he can't sleep. And so now he's, everything is kind of out of whack and that you gave, you gave your address away to the world. Now everyone knows where you are. It's easy enough to target you now. If people didn't know before, now they do blammo and why weren't we at triple double defense oh someone's here okay put down the defenses those were my thoughts too yeah I'm he's you. all over the place and yeah, i was like how did how is why he wakes up there? in tennessee you know that just shows he falls asleep and now also he was you know kind of knocked out from everything that was going on but still and then jarvis is also disabled and that's something that i think also, people forget is that he's Jarvis less. Normally, he's in his element when we see him in like Avengers movies. He's got Jarvis, he can do whatever, he can call whatever, he can Iron Man suit, blah, blah, blah. In this, he's now in the middle of nowhere. His Iron Man suit is out of power and he's without Jarvis. Jarvis is malfunctioning. So it's literally just on him. And that brings us back to the question of that Captain America asked, like, what are you without the suit? Yeah. And this really brings it in like, well, let me show you what I am. And he, and that's why I love that scene where he goes to the supermarket and that's a little bit later, but you know, uh, yeah. So I think this really brings him to his, one of his lowest points and not necessarily the lowest, but you know, you've been to the peak. Let's see what you can do when you've got nothing. And you're suffering from PTSD because that's also happening while he's still recharging the suit, fixing the suit. 
is that he's investigating. And I like seeing him doing some of the investigations just as himself. And I do like the hologram stuff that they do. I, I Someone else mentioned that earlier. Uh, yeah, absolutely. When Aldrich Killian walked in with that hologram thing, I was like, dude, how did she not buy whatever he's selling? Did you see that hologram? <laughs> but uh, absolutely, they do some really cool work because initially he goes to investigate. The reason he's looking into it is because he sees the whole recreation that's created you know with the hologram stuff and i was like that's cool that's incredibly useful as an investigator uh and it's like why isn't this technology more available to everyone but that leads into the if things fall into the wrong hands they can be used blah 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 blah. (laughs) Uh, but yeah at that point sorry he he's brought down to kind of his lowest point. He has to trudge into a town, take refuge and fix his suit without the benefit of his Jarvis. So Kevin, you need to be able to take someone like Tony and knock him down a few pegs. And that's exactly what this part of the film did. Um, And I love, I love, I've always liked that Malibu home that he has. And I, I put Malibu quotation marks because growing up in Southern California, I'm very familiar with the Malibu coastline. And that's no, wherever that house is, isn't anywhere near Malibu. I would say maybe further south in Palos Verdes, maybe. Uh, but I've always liked the fact that I like the style of that house. And I love the fact that it just gets destroyed. And, and he, he calls out on the Mandarin and the Mandarin shows up there, you know, his goons do anyway. And I think it was one of the, this movie is underrated when it comes to the action sequences that it has. And it has several and it starts with this one. And I love the fact that you get the, uh, the smart suit, uh, attaching to pepper and, uh, and then it releases and goes to him and, and he's presumed dead and he gets shot off to Tennessee because that's where it was originally programmed before everything happened. And I, I love the fact that he has to kind of start from scratch uh, with a little help from Harley. And the thing that I like about, sorry, but someone say something. No. Okay. <laughs> it's like I, a reverberation, Kevin. It's uh, that's the same thing I heard earlier. Okay. Um, the introduction of Harley is one of the, uh, I think, you know, when it comes to dealing with kids in movies and TV series, it can, uh, you know, it it can work and it cannot work. But I felt in this one, it really worked. I think the kid that played Harley was great in this film and uh, the, the relationship that he starts, Tony starts with Harley. And, you know, how there's a little bit of like uh, back and forth between the two. And he's got kind of a Tony aspect about him himself, which I like. And Tony sees that in him. And uh, this is one of the things that I hope that we get to explore later in the MCU is an older uh, version of Harley. Um, and when I was at the Avengers, a campus it, and um, in Dis- Disneyland in LA, it's part of the um, uh, California Adventureland. There's a Spider-Man ride there that's very popular. It's a brand new one. And there's actually reference to Harley as the older version, the one that we see at the end of Endgame. So I'm hoping that they return to this character because I thought he was great. And uh, I love the beginning of the relationship. Excellent. Cyber. Can you repeat the question again? 
Yeah, we're, we're just your general thoughts on, um, I guess, the the beginning and the middle of the what I believe is like the second third of the film where Tony's house gets blown up, that whole action scene um, and, um, you know, Tony waking up in Tennessee, meeting Harley, uh, you know, his investigations there and everything and whatnot. Um, we start to learn more about extremists. What was your your thoughts on that whole part of the film? The whole uh, house destroying scene was really awesome uh, for 2013. That those graphics were really well done, really fun. Uh, I definitely feel they have aged. When I just rewatched it recently, I noticed that the CG looked a little dated, a little bit. Uh, even though it's a higher, you know, cost CGI form of film for Marvel. It's still, I can see that it aged a little bit, but it wasn't in a bad way. It just, you could tell it aged. Uh, but that whole sequence is fun. I love it. Yeah, just like everyone says, you know, him throwing the suit onto uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Pepper, uh, saving her, and then him taking it on and trying to fight those helicopters. That whole sequence is really fun. The whole destruction of the house was really cool. I love how he slides down and falls into the ocean, and like basically, like all the, the concrete basically falls on him, and then one of his arms on the Iron Man suit basically propels him out to get him out to travel him to Tennessee. And then coming in contact with Harley, Harley was a really great character. I love that kid. Um, Ty Simpkins, he is really fun. He's really awesome. Uh, I love that whole character. I love the dynamic between them. I love how Tony calls himself just the mechanic and kind of like the dynamic they produce in that whole scene, basically, while Tony is in Tennessee and, you know, coming in contact with the extremist Carol that he has to destroy and the other guy that he has to beat uh, and, you know, Harley all being a part of that and stuff like that. And uh, I, I just thought it was really enjoyable. And uh, I think one of the best scenes in that whole portion with Harley is when the whole PTSD scene where they're outside looking at the area where the people blew up and Tony has kind of a moment and, you know, Harley's basically saying, oh, are you dealing with this and that and blah, 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 and stuff like that. And that whole connection was really good. You could see that there was a really good connection between the two and that you knew Harley meant more to the story, which would you know lead further down the road. Because when he popped up at the end of Endgame, I was like really shocked. I was like, what is he doing there at the funeral? I was like really surprised because you know I was thinking, oh, this is just a little kid he knew, you know, that helped him a little bit out. You know, that was it of it. But when the, he popped up, to me, that was like, oh, this is definitely a character we're probably going to see, just like Kevin was mentioning, further down the road, probably, eventually, a at some capacity. Who knows? And I think that's really cool that they did that. But I tell you, one of my favorites, my other favorite scenes in that whole, t that whole portion you're talking about is when Tony goes into the van and he's, like, trying to use the van to look up AIM stuff and look at the videos and stuff. And what's-his-face? I can't – I always forget this actor's name, but he was in that series uh, – happy endings and he's like all dressed he's all dressed just like tony he's got the beard and everything and he's like I'm oh my, my god I'm a huge... look my here. whole look is just for you and i even got the tattoo i had that and, doing uh, the doll so it doesn't look exactly yeah no he is hilarious <laughs> that whole scene was absolutely priceless and i think it was just a great kind of like pick me up moment in that you know kind of that supposed like depressing state you know tony having to deal with what he's dealing with and try to figure out what to do without like we were mentioning no jarvis and and you know none of his tech at the time 
And so I thought that was a really great pick-me-up and just a really great scene there, uh, especially when he, he has to call, he calls up, uh, you know, Don Cheadle Rhodes, you know, for the password, and it's like, oh, it's this and that, all capitals and stuff. It's like, and that was a great scene, too. But War Machine. Whole, War Machine rocks with an X. War Machine rocks because the new Zion Patriot. Oh, my gosh. The, the fun that they have with that name throughout the entire movie, by the way, because there's, like, so many different jokes about that. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, so, like, I I just thought, like, you, that you could see that that was Shane Black's writing 100% right there. That's his great comedy element that he always brings to his writings anywhere from Lethal Weapon to The Nice Guys and stuff like that. And that was pure Shane Black to me. And I just thought it was a great pleasure in that whole that whole section there. Uh, it was just really fun. I really enjoyed that whole section of the film. And I think it was, it just, like I said before with the previous part, it just kept it flowing very nicely and it kept it very enjoyable. The script was very well done. It's a good story. It really is. It, uh, you know, like that's one thing that I definitely got out of watching it again, you know, yesterday and today was that it really, I felt like the script really stood out to me. Um, You know, the writing was really well done, very crisp with all the different characters. Uh, The dialogue was good. It was funny. Uh, It had its usual Iron Man humor, you know, RDJ humor, um, along with some occasional, uh, like, you know, sexual jokes and stuff like that and whatnot. And, of course, the only character they really do that with is RDJ. Tony Stark, really, in the MCU. You don't see any of that with anybody else, really. Um, you know, but, uh, I mean, you know, so basically, I mean, guys, you know, before we get into, like, what I consider to be, I guess, the the third part of the film, uh, Kevin, do you have, or, you know, Chris, do you have any, uh, any other thoughts or remarks on this, you know, second, third, leading up to where... Pepper gets kidnapped and, um, you know, uh, Tony goes, you know, to find the Mandarin and everything and whatnot. Do you guys have anything else to add to that part of the film? Yeah, this is where he uh, has to build, you know, after, you know, Harley says, you know, why don't you build something, you know, and you see him doing his run to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. And he starts putting all these little uh, stuff together and you see him doing his own little reconnaissance mission after he finds out where uh, this where the signal's actually coming from, which is in Florida. And uh, I like the fact that he takes it into his own hands, so to speak, and he gets creative with his own um, uh, um, inventions that he can make from scratch, basically. And uh, uh, and it also proves some nice comedy moments when we finally see uh, Tony Slattery and then just the scenes with the guards, you know, holding Tony and, you know, and, the one guard knowing exactly how many miles between North Carolina and Florida. It's just, it was, I'm good like that. <laughs> there's just some comedy moments. I hate being here. These guys are weird. You know, that, just all these little things like that. Just yeah. really, one of the little things that gets overlooked in this film. That was funny. The, the, the whole deal with the guy where he's like, these guys are weird was funny. It wasn't Justin hammer funny, but it was funny. Yeah. Chris, you got anything to add? Uh, also just with the kid, he doesn't pull any punches with that kid. You know what I mean? Like that connection that they have is very visceral, very like the kids like, and my dad, my my mom's at work. My dad went to go get scratchers and I guess he won because that was six years ago. And, uh, 
and Tony just goes, "Yeah, well, Dad's leave. Nothing to be a pussy about." Anyway, yeah, don't be a pussy. Uh, yeah, yeah, boom. And like he just keeps like going because he also is like, well, he lost both his parents at the same time, and also he, they were never around for him. So he also respects this kid's intelligence more than like you know he's trying to. And also and that, deal with his own stuff. And, and that's on the that, heels of a little underrated action scene when yes. the extremists uh, track him down to North Carolina. And there's the fight there in the bar scene and, you know, the whole funny line about I've dated hotter women than you. And, you know, and he give and, and Harley gets that little toy to use against uh, uh, bullies. And so, yeah, it, and it and this is the other thing, too, is that you really see Tony during this time becoming a good detective. And using the tools that he has that he needs to find the stuff. And I love it when people put all the pieces together. And one of the things we like about Batman films usually is because he's a good detective. And it's nice to see that Tony is that type of detective for the uh, the Avengers. Yeah, most definitely. And also, I think it's an interesting yin-yang because, you know, we all know, those of us who are really big MCU fans and Marvel fans that have stayed, you know, that have been around for the whole deal... Um, with the Infinity Saga, we know that uh, Tony Stark in the MCU literally is most comfortable and feels like at his best when he's in the Iron Man suits. Like that's his. That's when he's at his best. That's when he's happiest and like feels safest and the more comfortable, most comfortable. And that's you know, where he like, ran to in Act One, where he had his panic attack. Right yeah, to his Iron Man go. suit. Yeah, he's. I mean, he. And what know, does he do? He asks Jarvis, "Check this. Check that." That and what does he lose later in the film? His Iron Man suit. Jarvis. Yeah, panic, panic attacks are a real, real issue. I've, I've, I've had loved ones that have dealt with panic attacks, and it's, it's. Uh, if, if you don't know anything about it, don't scoff at it. It's a real thing. Yeah, no, you have no it's idea. A real issue. That, that's a great it's, point. It's that's very de- de- debilitating as well. It can, it can, it can take you out an entire day or two, um, and just you know you'll want to uh you know just escape from the world and dive into medication if you have them and, and stuff and it's it's a serious thing no and I, and chris i'll give you a chance to i'll give you a chance to jump in on this but i will take a moment just to i guess spread a little positive mental health awareness out there i do actually have been diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder i've had it for over 10 years um i have panic attacks uh Knock on wood, I've been having a really great stretch for like the last four or five months where I've only had probably like maybe a handful of panic attacks in that in that block. And of course, like Chris probably already knows what I'm talking about. Now that I said that, I'll probably end up having like a full-blown panic attack later tonight <laughs> or like in the morning or something like that. I'll have one because um, that's how it usually works when you start talking about it being okay or you do it, you're doing well. You we end up having that, uh, Murphy's Law. Yes. So <laughs> it is family. very debilitating. It's no joke. Um, anybody out there that tries to uh, throw around a premise that it, it, a, man, a man is weak or something like that, if he has a mental issue or is dealing with some kind of mental health problem or whatever, and that means he's weak or like uh, he's not a man, um, that's just like some straight up bullshit because uh, having an anxiety disorder, dealing with panic attacks is a serious problem. It's really, it really, it's really impactful. It takes a lot out of you. Um, and it can actually control your life at times if you allow it. And Until that's, you can, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, that's why I like this movie. Cause they show him. 
Am I back? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, you were there for a minute. Yeah, you were. Okay. Well, anyways. So, <laughs> sorry. There he is. I apologize. Murphy's Law is basically what came wrong will go wrong. That's what just happened right there. I glitched out at right the wrong moment. Uh, but basically why I like this movie partially is because seeing him, this perceived perfect character, go through these things, these natural things that can happen to someone after they've been through the type of things that he's been through, PTSD, anxiety attacks, things like that, and then work to get better because the part of the thing about it is and you and i'm not just i'm not a therapist i can't tell anyone how to like get better but i know that for me when i'm suffering like it's much easier to dive into a hole and isolate but it's much better to try to like get out and fight and exercise and do things that I may not want to do, but I'll end up being healthier for doing it, but everyone's got their own stuff. I'm not going to even pretend that I know how to fix anything. You know what I mean? But seeing it helps, I think. Yes, I do. I get where you're coming from. I really do. Yeah, Chris. No, I'm down with you with that, man. I agree with you. I think that it's great that they did add that to the film. Um, Of course, they couldn't really uh, get too crazy with it because, I mean, you know, that would have defeated the purpose and the, the, you know, the positive aspects of the film. I think it may have dragged it down. But, you know, uh, as well as I do, and Kevin, you know, Cyber, you know, uh, you know, from from family members and friends and, and personally that uh, you know, like, uh, uh, panic attacks are so devastating that they literally, um, can put you in a situation where you think you're dying. Um, you know, like, I mean, from a logical standpoint, how that cannot be like really bad for someone that they're at that point, uh, you know, again, it's, um, it's stupid to try to pretend that, um, you know, somebody like, I mean, look, if RDJ of all people can have an anxiety problem and have panic attacks and stuff like that and still be who he is and still be as cool as he is and get laid like he does and, you know, pull chicks left and right and everything and whatnot. Like, I mean, um, you know, I don't know. I got to tell you, I think the botanist chick in Iron Man three is hotter than pepper. I do. I got to put it out there. I really do think she's hotter, but that's, I don't know if you're, if you're talking pepper towards the end of the film, I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, look, (laughs) I'll tell you right now, I would definitely, she's cute, but I would love to, I would love to to like swap in and like sub in for Tony with the shower with, uh, with pepper that they talk about (laughs) during the film. Like, I mean, I would not uh, shy away from joining that shower uh, with pepper, but, (laughs) Um, you know, like I would definitely be down with that, but at the same time, I think the botanist is fine. Good job, Marvel Studios. Great to uh put some nice look at assets and uh tang out there, you know, and whatnot in the MCU for us to, to work with. So, third part of the film, 
the actual meat or like the, you know, the, the major final battle, you know, whatever part of the film, final third of the film, Tony finds out about extremists through his investigation uh, in Tennessee. Um, he obviously figures out where the Mandarin is, goes there, and we get some really great scenes of him, again, going stealth mode, going like Batman detective mode as Tony Stark. No, no armor, no, no Jarvis, whatever. Um, and basically, um, we get the reveal, of course, of Trevor Slattery, uh, the the massive, um, you know, fandom hating turnaround of the film that the Mandarin is just some freaking guy, some washed up actor or whatever, you know, drinking like Natty Ice or whatever, like uh, with some chicks or whatever, like. You know, kind of, kind of disappointing, without question. Um, but we get the real Trevor Slattery and the reveal that Killian is the real villain. Uh, Tony gets kidnapped, um, gets grabbed. Um, we get some great scenes with the guards and everything, and Killian. Uh, you know, we learn more about Extremis. Um, and Tony gets free. When he his whole the whole scenes with him fighting his way out of that whole scene are great, uh, they're really great, they're really fun, and um, essentially, of course, Pepper's been kidnapped by Killian and his people at that point, um, and we get like a really at that point we have a really clear vision of what Extremis is kind of really all about with all of Killian's thugs and everything and the AIM thugs. Um, Tony has this great scene as Iron Man where he saves those people from the plane and grabs their arms and links them together and everything. Gets up with War Machine to take on Killian. Pepper, of course, is like at the final battle scene. Like, she's there because she was kidnapped. Uh, we get, like, uh, Tony bringing in all the different suits almost in drone style and everything. We get Tony jumping into a suit at one point. That was pretty cool. Aldrich Killian becomes like uh, a supervillain through Extremis, basically. And, you know, we end up getting to a point where we've also got the president being abducted and that whole angle going on during this part of the film, which is a pretty cool little, you know, scene. And we get, you know, Tony and uh, War Machine saving the president and Pepper ending up getting the Extremis herself and like throwing down with Killian. Um, you know, so you guys on the panel, if you want to give me all your thoughts on just this whole end third of the film, take as much time as you want. And if the discussion ends up, you know, going in some different directions, that's fine. Um, but, um, starting with you, cyber, what are your thoughts, you know, on that whole part of the film where we basically have Tony find the Mandarin in real life, find out that he's Trevor Slattery all the way to the end where we get Tony with all the Iron Man suits and Aldrich Killian and all that. What, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, to start off, I mean, that scene where Tony, you know, after he's created all those gadgets uh, that he got from Lowe's or Home Depot, wherever he went, that little hardware store he went to, uh, he gets to that compound where that signal's coming from. And uh, that whole scene is super hilarious because, you know, when he gets in there and he's he's taking out the other people and he finally sees Trevor Slattery and just that whole comical scene there where he's talking to, you know, Ben Kingsley and learning about what's going on and all this stuff. And he that I'm just an actor. 
I'm just an actor, you know, and, and just how he talks and just like how he's like explains, you know, and how he's just like freaking hilarious. I absolutely love Ben Kingsley as this character. He was super funny. And just the some of the lines he came up with were just so sick funny. And you could just see Robert Downey Jr. going, I have been fooled by this idiot, you know, and that's when, you know, Rose comes in and then they start battling and, you know, kicking some more butt on people. And, you know, end up going to, you know, the carrier where Pepper is being held and Killian's there and his people and stuff like that. And that whole end sequence is so awesome from all all of a sudden all the Iron Man suits popping up, which was so awesome. So fantastic. I love getting to see all these different versions of Iron Man suits that come about. I mean, you get that one that has like the drills on it. You have the one that is like a semi Hulkbuster suit. You have uh, all kinds of just like these awesome, amazing suits, and uh, it's just so awesome. And like seeing them get destroyed at the end, you know, after you know saving Pepper and everything, and and stuff like that. And then you thinking that Pepper dies at one point during the scene, you're just like, whoa! Like, did she really die? And you know, because the Stremis it saved her. And uh, it, it just is a really fantastic end battle scene. I think this is my favorite end battle scene for all three of the Iron Man films. I just thought it was so well crafted. And then fighting off Killian, you know, because he's basically supposedly the real Mandarin. And I know a lot of people, you know, hate that the fact that they didn't go with the real Mandarin in this film, that they had this like whole charade and stuff like that. And that, you know, Killian really isn't the real Mandarin. He's not the same Mandarin from the comics and stuff like that. I get why they're upset about that, but I still thought that it fit very well into this storyline because the fact that, you know, they wanted to introduce a character that they could use again down the road that would be fun. So they came up with this fake Mandarin thought and that to bring Ben Kingsley back because we get him in Shang-Chi, which was really fun. Absolutely loved him in Shang-Chi. And, uh, I mean, we are eventually going to get the real Mandarin eventually, but I thought this was kind of Marvel's way of you know, basically kind of giving a little bit of Mandarin talk, because a lot of people have been, you know, it was huge debate. Everyone going, when are we going to see the Mandarin? When are we going to see the Mandarin? And so I think this was Marvel's answer kind of to basically give a little bit of what the Mandarin could be, just to kind of satisfy the fans a little bit, even though it wasn't fully traditionally the the Mandarin, because, you know, Marvel has 20 years in advance in already made up like a plan of how they're doing their characters. So the Mandarin is in there at some point. We just don't know when. So, you know, for those fans that, you know, hated the fact that this wasn't the real Mandarin, you know, it, I, it, it sucks. But at the same time, I get what they were doing with this character. And I thought that Guy Pierce was fun as Killian. I thought he was awesome. I thought he was fun. I thought he played a really good villain. And I thought that his actions at the end of the scene were really well done. His, fight choreography and stuff like that between him and RDJ and everything like that. Uh, but yeah, the whole this whole last part of this film was just really awesome, really enjoyable, and just like everything about that was just really fun. And the technology they used to make the you know the CGI work that they did with the airman suits was just really well done too. And I actually feel like that scene actually really holds well still, uh, even eight years later uh, since this film came out. And, like, I felt that the CGI in this scene was a little more high-tech than previous scenes. And so I think it looks a little better. 
Uh, but overall, this whole end sequence was really fun, really enjoyable, and just an overall made it a good film. Excellent. And moving on over to you, um, Kevin. Same thing, same query. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that that third act of the film? Uh, back to back great action scenes with the rescue of the president and his pe- or the president's people from the plane. Um, and the whole battle scene with uh, all the different uh, Iron Man suits against the extremists was done really, really well. And I also like the fact that this kind of really cements the friendship between Tony and Rhodey and how they can work together uh, as kind of a weird unit, which is funny, and the little funny quips between them as well I, I think was great. And um, and uh, getting uh, Pepper Potts in, the, in on the action too, you know, with her uh, being shot up with the extremist stuff, I thought was uh, very interesting. Uh, but it worked out and gave her a little bit of action towards the end, which I liked as well. Um, the whole th- – <clears throat> let me get on a little bit of soapbox here. Let me preface it by saying that Iron Man 3 is one of my favorite uh, MCU films. It's in my top five for all the reasons that I've already touched on. That's why you're here, brother. And there's a reason um, why that is. And I've gone into a little bit of that already because I think a lot of the great aspects of this film is completely overlooked by all the whiny, all the whiny fanboys that read all the comics and their big hangup in this film is how disappointing they were of how the Mandarin was uh, portrayed in this film. To me, it was a great kind of um, not necessarily a sheep in wolf's clothing, so to speak. It is a little bit, but the fact that uh, the Mandarin was basically a puppet so that the person who's really in charge, kind of like having a kind of like a dictator in some world in the east will hire a body double to look like them in case there's an assassination attempt so to speak but having a face to to spread the threat of the mandarin but also giving us an introduction into the ten rings as well which is interesting uh and a little tease there but you have to keep in mind at this time it was very you're kind of walking on eggshells on how you're going to deal with this Mandarin char- character where when you look back and compared to now in the PC era of how horribly racist at times that the Mandarin was portrayed in the comic books. And I think that this twist of having Killian be the real person that's pulling the strings was a great twist. You get one of the greatest actors of all time pretending to be one of the greatest actors of all time to be this villain. And I come from a different angle. I never read the comics. So I didn't go in with this preconceived notion of what the Mandarin should be. I'd heard about the Mandarin. I had some background on the Mandarin. To me, it was a pleasant surprise, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I challenge anyone that doesn't like this movie because, oh, my feelings were hurt because they totally messed up the Mandarin character in this. Look at the other side of this film and how and what it has given us and what it's done. And look look at the angle that they had to take towards the Mandarin at the time. They had to be really careful with this. You know, they had to kind of like take it from a different angle for a particular reason. There's no way they were going to go back to the 70s, 80s Mandarin type character and try to portray it exactly like that. You can't do that nowadays. That's why you can't make blazing saddles today. There's certain reasons, certain things that you have to do when you do this. And uh, it's really a shame that this movie gets blasted by people uh, because of that one reason only. And that's the 
only argument that you see among the same thread of fans that don't like this movie for that reason. They totally <laughs> overlook the rest of this film and what the rest of this film has to offer. I'm off okay. my soapbox. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, Chris? He's taking a nap. If uh, <laughs> no, no, I was just listening to you. Your your, your camera. Your camera. How, how how people shouldn't be upset that the Mandarin isn't what they expected, even though the trailers and everything is leading them to expect a certain thing. And you're like, well, I didn't read the comics. Well, everyone that did is going into the theater and then getting boom. <laughs> nope. You suck. There's not. This is not you. We tricked you in here with teases of the Mandarin. If you go back and look at those trailers, they show the rings on his fingers. Dude, I was getting very excited about that. But no, hey, shut up me because why should I care? Like, why should the people that care about the source material get what they want to see in a thing? Why should we be upset? Now, at the same time, I agree with a lot of the things you said. Over when you get past that, yes, there's a damn fine movie there. Now, the end of it, it kind of made me feel like Iron Man's kind of weak because every single one of his suits is getting destroyed, then he blows them all up. There was kind of a but that kind of goes with his theme of giving up his suits. I get that, but when you talk about the Mandarin aspect of it, like, yeah, I get the humor, I get all of that stuff, but you need to appreciate just how much they completely screwed over misled boner alerted the like comic fans the ostensible actual fans of the source material and they led that on and used it as a turnaround and if people are upset about that i think they should get to be upset about that i think that's a reasonable thing to be upset about i think if you went into that movie knowing what Iron Man and the Mandarin were from the comics and seeing the trailers and getting expecting Iron Man and the Mandarin and then getting that I can see why you would be upset if your expectations were subverted in that manner I can see it that's fair Kevin I think that uh, first of all I get it I understand that but to hang your entire argument of why that that movie's bad because of that. And I, I don't, is, is, is by the way. But uh, many people did and still do. And it reflects on when everyone does their, their favorite MC movies of all time. And the reason why is because they were disappointed of how the Mandarin does. And yeah. it's interesting, too, because what, what, what the MCU has done is when you where we are now, it has made certain films more interesting to watch now because uh, Avengers uh, Endgame made Dark World a little more interesting because of the references to that. Now we have Shang-Chi and also the one-shot Hail to the King. It gets more into... But they also the delete one-shots when they feel necessary. They also... the like the like And the whole thing with Shang-Chi... Are you talking about Disney Plus? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm also talking about the fact that when they made Iron Man 3, they did not have the plan for Shang-Chi. Okay, they did not have, they were not planning for this character to come back in that way. Now, eventually, when they decided we'll do Shang-Chi and we'll bring this character back, yes, then things started getting woven. But when they made Iron Man 3, they were not like, this is the perfect way. And another thing, they they kept building up the Ten Rings. The Ten Rings, the society, the whole thing. You talked about that's a great introduction to it. It's like, 
It's more of a tease. At that time, well, it's not, it's it was a mislead, is what it was. <laughs> well, hey, listen, guys. At the end of the day, uh, Marvel Studios has made few mistakes. Like, I mean, I'm not saying they're perfect, but I mean, most of the, most of the shit they touch ends up gold. So, I mean, look, like, uh, you know, they were bound to screw up here and there on something. And I think this is one of those situations where um, I personally think Iron Man 3 is a great film. I do. I enjoy it. But at the same time, the the loudest fans are the ones that will criticize this film because of the angle of, uh, um, you know, the whole, uh, you know, Shang, you know, Legend of the Ten Rings and and, uh, and all that. But uh, you have to realize the majority of the people that went to see this film may not have known about the history of the comics. They went in because they're now MCU fans of the films and they don't know all the backstory. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and I think that, look, what I don't want to, I mean, listen, I'd rather, as far as, um, as far as, you know, that whole, that whole conversation, that whole dynamic, um, it is what it is. I'm more concerned with, the the final battle of Iron Man three, uh, War Machine, Iron Patriot joining in, uh, Killian as, as you know being the main villain overall of the film, uh, Guy Pierce's you know uh, how well he did with Killian. Um, you know I think that I want to make sure that you guys have as many opportunities as possible to um, put out your thoughts on this junction of the film. So, you know, Chris, uh, I'll go to you first, then I'll go to you, Kevin. Um, is there anything else about the third part, especially the final battle of Iron Man 3, that stands out to you? Anything you want to talk about? Um, I With his character arc and how it went with this movie, and while I'll... I am vocal about I didn't like the way that they used the Mandarin. I can also look past it. I it maybe if they'd use a different character in that for that position in the film, if you know what I mean. Like if they had used a different maybe it would have been better. And I also think the marketing targeted that relationship too much to people who were expecting that. But again, moving past that to the final battle. Um Guy Pierce did a great job. In his role as villain, oh gosh, he was very despicable there at the end when he was just murdering botanical chick and uh, just being a real smiling douche, man. Like really, you know, he's constantly smiling and being like, hey, look at me, and just being a complete evil person. And so that much, very much came across. Uh, and he was a worthy foe uh, for Iron Man. He made him go through like five different suit switches. I mean, he was jumping from suit to suit at different points. And maybe that's what inspired him to like, instead of making a bunch of different random suits for any different situation, make an ultimate suit for any situation, which is the thing that he ends up making when he can just tap at the nano suit. But uh Maybe that's what leads to that idea. I don't know. But the thing where he just blows up all the suits, I'm like, that seems wasteful. Well, by the time they do Age of Ultron, by the time they do Age of Ultron, he's on a different mock. He's on a different, he's on a different armor. 
he's got all the robots. I mean, that's they hint at it earlier in the thing is that uh, Happy, when he's the chief of security, is like, you know, we need to get rid of, you know, these different parts of human resources because the the most vulnerable part of is of human is human and he's like let's replace them all with robots we can't just replace them all with robots and then you get the iron legion in age of ultron which is literally the robot legion that they send in whenever the avengers are doing stuff so excellent yeah. okay kevin the one thing I like about this film is you get to see all these different uh, um, Iron Man suits, you know, in the back in his garage before his place gets destroyed. And uh, if you ever get to Las Vegas, go check out Treasure Island. They have the, uh, I want to call it the Shield Campus or something like that. It's a big Avengers oh, yeah. uh, walkthrough museum. And you get to walk through all the d- different Iron Man suits from the Mark One and all the pop. A, a lot awesome. of the other ones and to one of my favorites which we talked about in the last episode of iron man 2 the suitcase version of uh, oh yeah so i uh, i and you get to see all that and, and i love the fact that at the end you know he realizes what's important to him and that of course um is is pepper and i like the moments and he can you know he destroys all of his suits he can make one uh and he'll kind of as we find later he'll spend time just kind of concentrating on that one. But the other thing that's important too, is not only does he help cure pepper of the uh, extremists, but he decides to go ahead and have the surgery done on him and to get that, to get those shards out of his, out of his heart and stuff. And, and I like the fact that this is an evolution of him getting healthier to a certain degree as well, not just physically, but also mentally. And it's as a shame it is to see all those great uh, different, uh, Iron Man suits get destroyed. It was nice to see them in action as well. Uh, but uh, and then at the end, when he pays it forward to Harley and gives him a, a Mustang and gives him a, oh cool, yeah, upgrades cool, his garage. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's, it's just great. I love I love that from but, the mechanic. Uh, and yeah. he grabs a little screwdriver from when I know, he, yeah. uh, at his at his house when yeah. you were talking about him because and that's also that great last voiceover moment. And I think you were talking exactly about that too. It's like you can take away <clears throat> everything. But I'm still Iron Man because it's not about it's not about the metal in his chest. It's not about the suits. It's he is Iron Man, and he says that also earlier in the movie uh, when the kid asks, "Is that Iron Man?" He's like, "Technically, I am." Uh, But yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about this film too is you get that voiceover, and I I, Mm -hmm. I think if it's done well in films, not done too much, it can really (laughs) enhance the the experience of watching it. And Deadpool. Yeah, totally, totally. And and, one, and and that's one of the things, the reason why when I judge films and why you can see the movies behind me is I judge them on rewatchability. And there's so many things about this film that to me are rewatchable that, um, you know, boom, 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 scene after scene after scene. You know, it's I'm not just all about the action. I'm about the, the character development and the moments between those characters. And we get a lot of that towards the end there mixed in with the action just brilliantly with this film. Yeah, like when uh, Tony and I know you guys were both talking about uh, the interaction, kind of the buddy cop way between uh, Tony and Rhodey. But when they actually have to take firearms and shoot, and Rhodey's like, shoot at that light. He's like, are you serious? Is this something you can do? <laughs> and he tries to do it. And it's like, I got nothing. Yeah, Rhodey shows, shows what is he? why yeah. he's a good soldier, you know? He's I mean... actually like a soldier. Like Tony's yeah. in that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When they actually go in, it's just like two guys with guns. It's like, you can see like their difference. Like, and 
but also why they're also such great partners like at the end of iron man 2 where it's like all right this is the kill zone you know you're gonna no this is not where you want to be and iron man 2 is one of my favorites honestly but i also am a huge sam rockwell fan so i hope here's my biggest biggest wish since we're talking about iron man 3 and obviously mcu going forward for armor wars Bring back Sam Rockwell, oh, please. They please, will. we we, we need will. Sam Rockwell back in time. I agree with it, you. It, it's got to be. Yeah. It, I gotta believe they'll bring back Sam Rockwell for Armor Wars. I don't see. How I'm hoping he was on the other end of the phone that we saw Sharon at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, I hope that was him. That That's what be, I hope. I've, <laughs> I'm just like holding out hope that he'll be in it again. Like I'm we, just like we also please we also got a, we also got a Roxanne. Uh, like shout out at one point during Iron Man three. You want to talk about some comic book uh, lore? We actually heard Roxanne talked about, um, which is interesting because I was actually reviewing Agent Carter last night with Sally the MCU girl on her show, and Roxanne is a part of Agent Carter, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. But um, so. Okay, so um, let's move past Iron Man 3. Let's call it quits on the review. I have this article that I wanted to do a final segment on that basically I found very interesting, and it is from CNET.com. The author is Eric Franklin. Marvel's MCU movies ranked from worst to best. Um, Here's our list. Okay, guys, check out this list. And tell me what you think of this. All right, right off the bat. 22, The Incredible Hulk. He's got The Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton, Incredible Hulk, as the worst Infinity Saga film out there. All right, Cyber, what do you think of that? Right off the bat. Honestly, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay, okay, I just want to make sure. I don't hear myself, so that's why I was asking. <laughs> um. Uh, honestly, it was really fantastic uh, film. I think it's a fantastic film. So him putting it at the very end, I'm not shocked. I agree that I get why they, a lot of people put it at the very end and that they think it's one of the worst films out there. But I don't fully agree with that. I think it's more you know in the middle of the MCU rankings, I feel. Uh, Because it still was a pretty solid film. I mean, Abomination was a great bad guy in it. He was really fun. I thought Tim Roth did a great job. So you understand understand people putting this The Incredible Hulk film at 22? I mean, I can. I do. Because you got your MCU purists out there that are only going to be like, well, that's not The Incredible Hulk. That's not the right actor. And they even replaced him in the what if, in the what if when they did the animations for the oh alternate reality stuff they even replaced his scenes from that film with like uh ruffalo so i can definitely see mcu people being like well i don't like edward norton i love edward norton i love that movie but i can I, see how I, other people would not want it go I ahead like Ed, i like edward norton but he was miscast in that role big time that well, he was never going to be a franchise regular. He's not that person. He would not be well. Yeah, that's why he I likes say to re- they were planning yeah. on him yeah. being that, though. They were. Well, that was he a was, bad he, idea. He, he was in the cards to be in the Avengers. Yeah, and he's not. So then it probably partially because of what happened with that film. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm just saying. He, I, yeah, I, I thought he was. 
I thought the story overall was good, but my biggest problem with that film is Edward Norton. That movie was just not good for him personally. I understand he's a good actor. He's got a lot of stature, but uh, they should have gone with someone else. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, obviously it would have been nice if they got Ruffalo from the beginning, but uh, anyone would have been better in that particular role. Not everyone can just step into a superhero role. And I got to be honest with you, this is just a pet peeve. Have you ever watched Edward Norton run? It's weird. They should have gotten someone a little more athletic. But Kevin, you tell me, tell me if you don't think. Tell me the guy from Fight Club. Tell me you don't think that this is, there's a little. He's not running in Fight Club. To this. He's fighting. All right. So I'll have to watch him run now. I've never yeah, watch him run. You're gonna go, done that oh, before. Dude, well, Edward, I'm now okay. never be able to get out of my head. You know what you've Ed, done to me? Edward Norton has. I mean, he definitely. And there's 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 parts of that film where, where when he's doing the Hulk, it's terrible. But I think one thing you can honestly say is it helped Marvel Studios and it helped Sarah Finn know what did work and didn't work with that Hulk character with Edward Norton in that film. To where when they brought Ruffalo in. They were able to go ahead and dictate to him and point out to him. And these then are the ruin things, the Hulk. This is what you need to do and what doesn't work with fans mm-hmm. and what doesn't work on screen. Like, this is what you should do. Yeah, so, compiled with the Ang Lee film and that one, it's another reason why we didn't get a standalone Hulk film with that. And that's why I felt that <laughs> I remember when Avengers came out, I'm like, yeah, that was a great Hulk film. <laughs> All right. But bottom line, as we move on, Chris, Kevin. Do you honestly think the Incredible Hulk film with Edward Norton deserves to be number 22 in the Infinity Saga list in ranking? Yes. yes. Chris? I don't have that big of a problem with it. Like, You're okay with that? Person, someone, it's a random ranking. Anyone can rank anything. Are we going to go through every single one and decide no. whether we think it should be? No. I just think it's way off. I think, it, I think the Incredible Hulk film is better than that. I you agree, too. I think it's a better movie than that. I really do. I think it's literally mid-tier Infinity Saga MCU movie. Like I will it's, say it's an, I like it a lot more now than I used than I used to. To be honest, there you go. It grows on you. Yeah, it does. It did, it did grow on me a little bit. I'll tell you that. And, and I'll tell you right now that final battle between him and um, uh, the Abomination still holds up vi- visually. It does. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is which is a lot. To, you know, to say. So For me, the best two, part in that film was Tim Roth. I really enjoyed his. Oh his, yeah, Tim Roth is yeah. great and everything. Lie yeah. to me. Yeah. Number twenty-one, the original Thor film, coming in right after the Incredible Hulk. We've got the original Thor film, not Thor: The Dark World, the original Thor film. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't put it there. I put it a lot higher. I put uh, Thor: Dark World next. To be honest with you, are we doing the whole list? No. He's doing a portion of it. We'll probably we see how far we get. I don't. I don't know. Everyone has their own list on what should be where. Whose no, list Chris, is this, by the way? I'm Chris, just. I, I wasn't. I, Chris, I wasn't planning on going through the whole list. I just wanted to see if we could get through a couple or whatever, and we could just talk about it, and then we would close things out. My apologies. No, we're good. No, I just uh, had a big problem with lists lately. But <laughs> okay, uh, Eric Franklin from. <laughs> From CNET.com <laughs> is the guy doing the ranking. Just so you know. I've heard of CNET. Okay, so to you, Cyber, Thor as the number 21 slotted ranked movie, what do you think? I think it should be higher as well on the list. Uh, I don't think Thor Dark World should be that low on the list either. I really enjoy Thor Dark 
Thor Dark World. I thought it was a really well done film. I liked the aspect of it. I enjoyed how it was. Uh, but the Thor film, I actually like Dark World a little more than I liked the Thor film. So I would put Thor a little lower than Dark World. But yeah, I don't think uh, Thor should be that low on the list. There's definitely other ones that I feel could have been around that that number. Chris? It wouldn't be that low on my list, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Do you do you have any any uh, any uh, any more details to that to add? No, I'd have to make my own list and then defend it, and or I, see this entire one and then try and I don't uh, like randomly looking at things out and then trying to decide should this be that low on this list? What is this list of? Who made the? I don't. It's not for me. So I'm gonna say I wouldn't put it that low on my list, but. This person did, so I have nothing more to add to that. Well, that's all, that's all we would want from you, with, you know, with this to begin with. So, that's, you know, that's, that's fair. Number twenty, Iron Man two. Now I know Kevin, you do not agree with that. This is true. <laughs> I put Iron Man two way higher on my list again. Way I would put it, I would I would put it would higher than number two. <laughs> I love Iron Man two. two. You know. Yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. Go ahead. Say what you want to say. I, I would. I would put it higher. Obviously, I, I think it was a, a better Iron Man two was a better film than I would say Gal- Gardens of Galaxy two and and uh, Thor the Dark World and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's yeah, agreed. You know, and I and I'm looking at a list of uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes and what they have theirs, and they have Thor last, followed by uh, I'm sorry, Dark World last, followed by Incredible Hulk, Iron Man two. Age of Ultron and oh the original my. Thor. Wow! In yeah. Iron Man three, in Iron Man three, right after that. Wow! Yeah, it's a rough list. Yeah, especially because oh my gosh, graphics started getting better. More money started getting poured into things, so yep. then graphics started looking even better, and that's all some people look at. And was it shiny? It was. Ooh. I was, I, you know, and I just did a, a search here and I'm looking at other ones. Uh, also, Incredible Hulk is also at the bottom of the list of other ones I'm looking at here as well. Iron Man 2 uh, also at the bottom of the list, which is interesting. Iron Man 2 consistently is downvoted. Always, I defend it every chance I get. Me too. Yeah. But I don't, and I don't know where the hate really comes from. I think some of it is, again, from like comic fans. I know that because of the miscasting or not miscasting necessarily but the way that they portrayed like whiplash uh but i think the way that they do and i guess you guys might have talked about this last episode when you talked about iron man 2 or whatever but the way that they do justin hammer with sam rockwell is such a great shadow of tony and the way that he always calls him anthony i I mean like everything about their interactions and the the way that they interact the way they interact with each other the way that they talk about each other and look and that right there is like awesome isn't the best isn't the best scene in that movie when he's justin hammer's trying to sell all those yeah, talking about is. all the different weapons. What are you, like a sphinx? The ex-wife. I can't you. What are you like? <laughs> but I'll tell you, you know, if you really want to get an idea, this is the cube of, of the cohibos. If you want to get an idea where this guy is at that does this, that, that did this ranking, for him, the best moment of Iron Man Two was the Iron Man and War Machine teaming up to destroy a bunch of robots. Simple, effective, and fun. And, yeah. and in my opinion, 
I think that that actual end battle with War Machine and Iron Man in Iron Man 2 is, is kind of non-climatic. Like, it's actually kind of uh, not one of the best parts of the film, even for me, really. Like, there, I think there are things in the film that are better than that, like like the Justin Hammer scene with uh, Rhodey, you know, with all the weapons and everything. That's an awesome scene. Um, the juxtaposition between how it starts with Iron Man landing and the cheerleaders and then the armor gets taken off of him. And then when Justin Hammer gets his moment and he comes and dances, there's a little spin move. <laughs> yeah, that's better than some cheerleaders, isn't it? Uh, it? Him trying to live up that relationship right there. Yeah, is better than like some people if they're I guess if you're just looking for the action in it, you might be left wanting. But he takes down all the drones. Drones better. Uh <laughs> I really like the way the Whiplash took over. I'm, well, I, we're not here to talk about Iron Man. Too. This guy's got Ant-Man and the Wasp <laughs> ranked at 14. So he's got Ant-Man and the Wasp ahead of Iron that Man That movie 2. has Iron Man 3. Way more problems than Iron Man 2. <laughs> Although I like Ant-Man. Third curiosity, what's, right. number one, what's number one this, on that wait list? Wait a minute. This, this, is the last, this is the last one I want to mention. Number 13, The Avengers. This guy's got the original classic Avengers film at 13. Didn't you just tell us what his number one is? Yes. This guy is delusional. Avengers Endgame. From... Okay. Avengers Infinity Wars number two. Then Thor Ragnarok three. Do not agree with that at all. Um, four Black Panther. What are you, fucking crazy? Um, <laughs> five Captain America Civil War. If Black Panther is a better movie than Captain America Civil War then we're living in the goddamn Twilight Zone. Well, you got to look at who made the list and why. Film is subjective. You have I to just... understand each person is going to have a different opinion about a movie. So no list is ever identical. So, well, I just saw I think... a list and it just said the definitive list of the best Star Wars movie characters. And I clicked on it just so I could scroll and see where Luke Skywalker was. And I hadn't even gotten to number one, or I expected him to be about. Uh, he was number 12. Number 11 was L337 from the Solo movie, that droid. So they put Luke Scott. And I was like, your list is invalid. Because I don't think you even know. I don't well, know look, what you think I, you're doing. I'm already, you offended I, I, me as a Star Wars fan. I decided I'm going to go ahead and make like a... A, a uh a, a screwing around like just for fun i'm gonna do an mcu ranking and try to purposely like uh piss people off like get people upset and i'm just gonna do some some effed up ranking of the mcu the infinity saga and throw that shit up somewhere and let some people like check it out uh, why why inflame the just because hatred why just I- just because it's I think an it's easy a- way to get clicks. Look, people will be furious about this. Yay. Uh. Hey, whatever. So anyways, <laughs> you can, I'm not saying you can't do, I think, do it. No, no. Listen, I mean, honestly, I don't think I'll ever be trying to do one of these rankings or whatever as any kind of segment in the future. Hey, I mean, you know what? Sometimes this stuff is hit or miss. You give, you give something a shot, try it out and it falls flat. You know, at the end I mean, of the you day. could make an entire episode where you just try and like actually rank them. That oh, would yeah, be something yeah. Where you had a group of people because sure. a lot of these lists are just like one person being like, "Yeah, yeah." Here's my most list. Definitely. Most definitely. get angry about it. I mean, that's <laughs> well. Listen, guys, 
This was a great Iron Man 3 review. Uh, it was awesome watching the fish video from TikTok with you guys. It was a really connective moment for me um, between all of you that I feel was really personally important for me. Kind of the core of the show. Yes. It was actually like the, you know, the highlight. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I want to give you guys a shameless opportunity to plug anything you want on the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Cross-promote as you will. Um, I do want to point out that if I am in Las Vegas, Kevin, anytime soon, I hope that Geek News Now will give me a media pass or credential to go to the Bunny Ranch first before I go check out the um, Iron Man suits. I see where your priorities are. That's good. Yes, I want to make sure that I uh, I, I have a multi-layered approach to my uh, vacation. But so, Cyber, go ahead, sir. What would you like to plug? Well, as always, as we like to say here on The Bleeding Edge, always please check out our amazing website, uh, the MC Blues Bleeding Edge dot org and check out all the wonderful goodness that Jeff puts into that awesome little website. Lots of great stuff on there. It shows you, you know, transcripts of our episodes, all kinds of cool stuff like that. So definitely check that out. The extended also, version of the fish video was on there. Yeah, the expand yeah, yeah. Definitely check that out, people. Uh, and of course, you know, definitely check out, you know, Jeff and I's, you know, solo stuff on different platforms, Rizzle, YouTube, yeah, you know, Rumble, wherever you go, you know, TikTok, we're on all of them. You know, you'll find me under Cybernetic Shark, you'll find him under True Knowledge and so forth, Conservative Voice, etc., etc. And uh, of course, you know, definitely check out some of our amazing guests that we've had. Uh, on the MCU's Bleeding Edge, such as, you know, the Podcast of Champions. Definitely check them out. Uh, Podcast of Champions, Freeform.net. They have a great website, too, as well, that is really enjoyable. And you can go on there. It's a free forum. You can talk about anything from Resident Evil, Star Wars, anything you can think of. Lots of good stuff on there. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much it, people. Thank you for watching. Thank you, Cyber. Thank you, brother. Kevin. Uh, you can find uh, me on the Fandom Podcast Network uh, with my co-founder, Kyle. Uh, we started that back in uh, 2016, and we have several shows on the network, including a Star Wars podcast, uh, Star Trek Orville. I co-host a Highlander podcast, and uh, I also co-host the True Believers Marvel MCU podcast, and all that can be found on the uh, Fandom Podcast Network master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Uh, and on True Believers, we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we're excited about the Eternals coming out. We're going to be doing a reaction show to that uh, later uh, this weekend. And uh, we're also in between covering the weekly shows. We've been uh, revisiting the MCU, but we're what we're doing is uh, we are doing it in the uh, Infinity Saga chronological rewatch. Uh, instead of in theatrical order. So obviously we started with Captain America first, and then we uh, recently just released Captain Marvel. And the next one that we will be covering uh, soon after the Eternals uh, that we'll do bef and before the, um, uh, the the Hawkeye series that we'll cover is we're doing we're, we're returning to Iron Man and discussing Iron Man. Are you going to roll uh, uh, an invitation out to the MCU's Bleeding Edge to join in on some of this future content, Kevin? 
Oh, sure. Definitely. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff to cover and we'd definitely love to have you on. So make sure you check us out there. And uh, just real quick too, we also have a Facebook page for True Believers MCU uh, where we talk about all Marvel stuff. And uh, we would love to ha- lo- love to have uh, future guests on from here as well. And, uh, and you can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore Phoenix. That's great. And you know what? I'm actually a member of that page myself and um, enjoy being on there and, and having an opportunity to be able to promote our content on there and everything and whatnot. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I definitely, Kevin, um, I never thought about it until now when you mentioned it. But if um, if anything pops up where I feel like, you know, uh, there's anybody that I think might be a good fit for the show or whatever, you know, that I can throw a name out to you or whatever or contact info, I will definitely try to um, – you know, help you out or whatever with some guests because we do have some great people that come on here on and off, you know, some more regular than others. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think we all should, uh, you know, try to kind of not only cross promote, but if we can share our talent too, you know, oh, why yeah. Not? Oh, yeah. you know? but, um, but Chris. <laughs> Chris, are you there, brother? Did we lose you? <laughs> you froze up. <laughs> wow. Okay. What? Look at the timing on that, man. Chris, that was great, brother. Right <laughs> when I went to you, you not only were frozen, you then just like dropped off the screen. <laughs> There's that little noise that means Chris is back. There he is. Chris. Hey. You're back from frozen mode, man. What's up? Uh. I think we were all signing off, and I. Hey, you want to you want to plug some, off early? You want to plug your shit? Uh, mm. <laughs> sure. Well, I host the Geek News Now MCU Mondays every Monday night at nine thirty Eastern. We talk about whatever is happening most recently in the Marvel greater universe, and every single Monday we have a different opening visual theme. I sing the same song every time, but it's a different visual theme. I don't know. Maybe we can look at the last one that I had. If that's, if you can. I got it right here. You see that? I interviewed my cat with it. Ah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> Do you actually have it there? No. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Steve from Bumble. Fuck you. I don't think that was the Steve from Bumble. Sorry about that. Steve. No, I'm sorry, man. I must have been, I I I don't have that uh graphic. Oh, okay. I just put it up in the um should I can be put, possibly I can... if you look under my I can play the fish video again. No, 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 it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it should be available for you to play if you look under, like, the sources for different people here. But Okay. It's up to you, I think. Okay, cool. All right, so you're not seeing it. That's fine. Anyway, I do a different do not, opening intro Facebook? every time. Chris, you mean on Facebook? No, I mean like literally within Restream, there's an ability to share a video and I uploaded it and it's over sitting in, I don't know where it is for you. I assume it's where you see, where you put.
put stuff into the video, but I don't know how restream works, so it's not that important. No, it's not right there or anything like that. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know why it gives me that option then if it's, it's going to lie about it, but yeah, it's <laughs> we're around we're over on Geek News now every Monday. Uh, MCU Mondays talking about Marvel, whatever's happening. And it's a fun time. And then I do stuff over on my own channel, It's a Phase Productions. And it's mostly comedy reactions over there. You never know what's going to happen, though. I put all my personal stuff and whatever else I end up doing over there. Right now, it's currently being taken over by Scottish people. The last time I checked, uh, my geography it says like how many people are like or where the people are from that are watching your channel it used to be like 99 percent america and nothing from anywhere else and now it's 69 percent uk and like 23 percent so i'm like all right started watching hey, some uh, scottish comedians that's so. cool <laughs> I, you know hey and you know what honestly what they're Chris, asking for I will make sure that I go ahead and reach out to you after the show to get links for all of your content, for all of your shows, so I can go ahead and roll that into the description for this video. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've, we, yeah, we got some, we'll figure that out. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get in touch with you. I'll, I'll drop all the links I can for, for Kevin's content, Cybernetic Sharks content, your content, MCU Mondays, you know, you know, all your stuff. I'll, I, that's something I should be doing anyway. So I'll try to make sure that I reach out to you so we can, we can do that. We can try to promote you guys a little bit, but I mean, thank you very much for coming on on, um, you know, Chris, I really appreciate it. It was great having you for the first time. Thank you for, um, for, you know, for uh, enjoying us and liking us enough to, to want to join in with us. Uh, it was fun to record with you again. And thank you for the opportunities to come on MCU Mondays and Kevin, Thank you for being here again for another Iron Man review. Appreciate um, it very, very I, much. Thank you, sir. Yes, I think it's very special that we managed to get you back on for Iron Man 3 after Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. I wish Kyle was here. I do. Um, it would have been nice to have Kyle back. Uh, bye, Chris. Um, but um, <laughs> either way, um, oh, there he is. Uh, either way, um, Cyber, I want to thank you again for being such a great co-host. And, of course, it will be Cyber's turn to moderate next Wednesday. So you probably will not see fish videos or anything like that occurring during the show uh, since uh, Cyber uh, is a little bit more professional than I am at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, so Cyber will be getting after it. We'll be doing Thor the Dark World review next Wednesday evening. Live stream review. Right, Cyber? Yep, yep, yes, Thor. Yep, Thor the Dark World. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> Can't wait to watch it. It's going to be fun. Academy Award winning film. Um, it is. Yes. Definitely, uh, you know, according to the guy from the ranking, it's like the fourth best film in the MCU. So, um, but anyways, <laughs> but thank you, Chris. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you, Cyber. And uh, to all of you out there, please subscribe to the MCU's Bleeding Edge YouTube channel. Shout out to Geek News Now Network. Shout out to David and Damon. And shout out to all of my illegitimate children out there. Um, I'm not paying. 